Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to episode 109 of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, author and PR consultant and founder of Vegan Business Media, a content events and training platform providing success strategies for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. Now, before we get into the main part of the show, I wanted to let you know about my online PR course and group coaching program, Vegans in the Limelight. It's ideal for small business owners, including authors, artists and creatives on a budget who understand the value of getting yourself or your vegan brand featured regularly in the media, but can't afford to spend thousands of dollars or pounds a month to hire a publicist or PR firm. With Vegans in the Limelight, you get access to online video training that takes you through every step of how to get media coverage that can help you generate more leads and sales, as well as grow your email list and social media following. So we cover how PR and social media work in tandem, how to research and target the media without spending a cent, how to find the stories in your vegan brand on a regular basis, how to approach journalists the right way with ideas and stories. That's a really important one. How and when to write a media release. How to create an online media room for your website without spending heaps of time or money. How to respond to journalists' call-outs or queries, which is the easiest and quickest way to get media coverage and free publicity content marketing and PR, so how to create your own shareworthy stuff and leverage it to the max, writing and content creation tips for opinion pieces, listicles, features and columns, speaking gigs and PR, so how to leverage events to gain media coverage, and interview tips for print, online, radio and TV. Now, as well as the video training, which you go through at your own pace over 12 months, the program also includes a full 12 months of group coaching, including a monthly live Q&A call. You can also post your questions throughout the year on the learning platform, and you can post your pitches and media releases and get feedback from me before you send them to journalists. So you've basically got me holding your hand, helping you to do your own PR for a full year. It's a great value program. It's way more affordable than similar courses. And it's the only one that's specifically aimed at vegan and plant-based business owners, entrepreneurs, authors, coaches, and creators. Current students have already got media coverage in mainstream and specialist newspapers, magazines, radio and TV shows, as well as blogs and podcasts. So if you'd like to get your vegan brand or yourself featured in the media, but don't have the budget to hire a publicist or PR agency, then I highly recommend you check out this program. You get full and immediate access to the materials as soon as you enroll. You can find out all the details by going to veganbusinessmedia.com and clicking on the link for the program Vegans in the Limelight. And there's also a link on the show notes page. And if you have any questions about the program, including whether it's right for you, feel free to email me at katrina at veganbusinessmedia.com. Now for the main part of the show. 
In this episode, I interview Lindsay Rubin, Director of Operations for V-Dog, a vegan dog food company in San Francisco. Always obsessed with animals, Lindsay ran her own dog sitting business in high school and became a vegetarian at college. After learning about the dairy and egg industries, she went vegan and became an animal rights activist. In 2013, she met Dave Middlesworth, the late founder of V-Dog, who started the company in 2005 with his wife Linda, and started working with the company as the first full-time employee. She currently leads the company's strategy for growth. In this interview, Lindsay discusses the challenges the company faced with packing, warehousing and distribution companies when it started out and how it resolved these, how partnerships have been instrumental in the growth of the brand, how and why the company is expanding internationally under the V-Planet brand name, how the company decides when and what type of new products to bring out, the advantages of competitions and giveaways and how V-Dog makes the most of these to gain more brand awareness, the benefits of having a live chat system on the company website, the tool it uses for this, and how the team manages inquiries, and much more. Here's the interview with Lindsay Rubin from V-Dog. Hello, Lindsay. Thank you very much for joining me today. Hi, Katrina. Thank you so much for having me on. No, I'm looking forward to, to speaking with you. I haven't had a, uh, a dog food, a vegan dog food business on the show, so it's a first, which is lovely. So looking forward to, uh, to having a chat with you. So I always kick off with the, the first question um, is that I, I'd like to know why. So why do business owners do what they do? So why are you involved with V-Dog? Sure. So personally, I am an ethical vegan and I've been vegan for several years now and um, an animal rights activist. So personally, being able to align my own values with a company is just the biggest gift in the world. So just like how I feel about veganism, we all feel the same way at V-Dog. So our mission is to help dogs and save farmed animals. So I'm really fortunate to be able to align not only my personal beliefs, but the general belief of ethical veganism with our entire company's mission and values. Wonderful. It's lovely. It's lovely when people get to do that. Um, now, I, I usually, as I mentioned to you, I, I typically like to interview founders, uh, people who have kind of been at the, the company uh, since the beginning. And sadly, Dave uh, passed away. So I'm just, can you just give us a little bit of a, a picture of sort of why, when you joined the V-Dog team? Because I believe you said you, you'd sort of been around since the beginning and what your relationship is to the founders, Dave and Linda. Yeah, absolutely. So I started working at V-Dog back in 2012 with the founder, Dave. So our founder, Dave Middlesworth, did pass away very suddenly in 2014. Um, it's been several years now. It just flies by so quickly. And um, we continue to grow and make him proud. And we're really so ecstatic to still be here and, and doing so well. Um, but I worked directly with Dave as the first employee starting back in 2012. and. Dave's just this incredible, passionate vegan guy. And along with his wife, Linda Middlesworth, who was a huge inspiration in starting the company, she's a wonderful animal rights activist over in Sacramento as well. And um, Dave was really this guy who 
was so passionate and really wanted to do everything himself. So as, as when I came along, the company was just so small and it kind of just, my work kind of just trickled in saying like, okay, Lindsay, here's something to do for you. And it just kind of kept growing from there. <laughs> when did, how long has the company been going um, before you joined Lindsay? Dave started in 2005. Oh, in 2005, right. Okay. So he'd been, been running it uh, on his own for, for quite a while. Okay. So can you talk about, and I'm guessing he, he would have told you this, um, and, and maybe Linda as well. So what were some of the key challenges um, when VDOG first started up? Yeah, I would say that the, the biggest challenges that Dave faced were finding the right partners. And I think as a small business, this is already a hurdle because you're learning and you're learning the space that you're in. And being a vegan dog in the vegan dog food space, it's such a specific area. So finding the right partners, meaning finding the right warehouses, for example, we pack and ship really bulky, heavy items. So that was a big hurdle for Dave and for us was finding the right partners in the packing and shipping space. And we went through some warehouses that were less than ideal um, until we landed on. Why the were they less than ideal? Um, it could be for a number of reasons. It could be a particular person that work, works there or the pricing or um, the way that they do their operations, not completely clicking in line with the product that we have because our product is kind of, you know, it's heavy. We ship up to 30 pound bags of dog food. So if you go to a warehouse that isn't quite fit for your product, um, there could be some hurdles to that. Right. For example, some warehouses ship are used to shipping a lot smaller items and that's how their employees are trained in a certain way. And that's how, you know, the owner of the facility's mindset works. So sometimes sometimes the, the facility can work if they're not used to you and that's completely fine. But a lot of times there are just little, little hurdles that need to click before you find the right one. Right, right. I was wondering, because I was wondering when you said that, whether they were kind of, I don't know, had issues with it being a vegan dog food, like, oh, the dog shouldn't be oh. vegan. <laughs> but it was <laughs> No, you know, that's always, yeah, that's always the fun part is like coming into these spaces, like the warehousing industry, who they've, you know, most of the time they've never, I mean, a lot of people haven't heard of vegan dog food to start, but then you go into these industries that are very, you know, uh, traditional kind of American industries and we're this vegan dog food in there and we really get to have a presence and the people are, are, you know, when we found the right partnerships, they're just so nice and warm and they're kind of like vegan dog food and we have all these conversations. So that's actually a really fun part of it. Right. So they were more logistical, the challenges, and, and you've ironed those out as you you found the right partners that had the you know good pricing and, and the systems in place that you were looking for. Exactly. Got it. Now, you mentioned when you joined the company, um, you kind of were, were sort of thrown jobs, jobs to do. So what exactly is your role now and what are you responsible for? Sure. So currently, I direct our operations and marketing. And my role has definitely shifted since then, um, since working directly with Dave. But currently, I, I essentially keep us on track for where we're at and where we're going. So I develop the best way for VDOG to grow, the best partnerships for us to have. And it's so amazing and unique to be in the vegan space as a business, I must say, because the partnerships that we form are just so strong and people are so in it for Obviously, it's a business, but beyond that, there's that mission component and the passion that people have for animals and for the planet. Um, so it's, it's been really incredible. 
Yeah, it sounds as though you almost had to kind of define your own job, which I think is kind of interesting. Like you said, a lot of business owners are in the situation where they're doing everything themselves and it can be a bit nerve wracking, I guess, to, uh, you know, make your first hire. So it it's mm-hmm. kind of sounds like, did you almost have to sort of um, help to define your job? Yeah, definitely. And I am so fortunate, like I was saying earlier, how this, you know, this role is really the intersection of how I feel so passionate about veganism and I'm able to bring that to V-Dog in a way that helps our business grow. And it's, I'm really lucky to do that. And yeah, and our company is still small. And back when I started, it was definitely kind of a malleable situation where we're kind of figuring out what, where's the best place to put people in order for us to have and experience the best growth. Mm. And what was your background, but just briefly? Sure. So I studied at school in upstate New York and I didn't study business. I studied communications and literature and journalism. So I have a very unrelated educational background, but being at VDOG has taught me such incredible skills and assets related to business. I can't be more thankful for that. And mm-hmm. along with um, Dave, who in, in the short time we worked together, it was just a couple of years, I feel like I got an incredible feel of what a leader in business is and should be the way that he demonstrated and mentored me as far as being the founder of this incredible business, along with now his son, Darren Middlesworth, who is our president and who helps lead the company. And we also brought in a really incredible logistics manager and CFO. So everything is kind of coming together with all these incredible business people who we all just learn from each other and, and teach. And it's just a really great system that we have going. Mm, that's great. So, so I guess it's a, a good example of knowing kind of when to to bring on those different roles um, in order to grow and expand the company. So that's that's great. Um, so in mm-hmm. terms now, and, and talking on expansion, I believe that V-Dog, I think I saw an article on one of the vegan media sites that V-Dog is, you're doing some kind of expansion at the moment. So tell me a little bit about that and some of the challenges involved in that. Yeah, absolutely. So we are expanding currently internationally outside of the USA, and we're expanding under the name V Planet. So we decided to go with a separate brand name for our international um, market. And why was that? Why not V Dog? Um, there were some trademarking issues, and we also just wanted to expand under kind of a new, fun, all-encompassing name besides V Dog to kind of give it a bigger picture. So we went with V Planet, and V um, Dog will remain in the USA. And of course, all of our V Planet products will 100% be vegan. We're we're all vegans, and we're committed to never making a non-vegan product. That's something really important to us. Yeah. Um, but it's been really smooth so far working with some really wonderful partners and we have a lot of distributors lined up. So right now we're at the phase of uh, making connections with distributors. And the next step is to really just get the product over to them and get it moving and get it to the consumer. So everything is going really smoothly so far. And I think that's uh, honestly a big part of what we learned in the past is just how finding the right partner, you know, in this case, it's not a warehouse, but it's, maybe a distribution partner, mm. that really matters. And finding, especially we find these, you know, now expanding internationally, there are more opportunities to work with um, more vegan exclusive distributors. And those are always like a diamond in the rough and so wonderful to find and, and adds an extra layer of excitement too as we yeah. expand. 
Sure. I mean, I've certainly, I've seen V-Dog here in Australia, I think at a couple of uh, trade shows. Um, I, th- I think I've seen Australian distributors um, uh, with it. So what made you decide to expand internationally? Sure. So we basically, since we started and since I came on board, we just continuously get streams of people asking for V-Dog in all sorts of countries and we're really lucky to kind of have that desire there in place already. And beyond that, we we have a goal of helping the most dogs and saving the most farmed animals. So in order to reach those goals and continue to grow and expand, we really wanted to make our product available for anyone who can reach it beyond the United States. Yeah. And what would you say in terms of your clientele, are the majority of your clients vegan and looking, wanting their dogs to, to also be vegan or compared to, I'm just wondering about the rough percentages compared to people who are more perhaps into the healthy eating for their pets and are okay with plant-based? Right. Yes. The majority of our, our customers are definitely vegan people, vegetarian people um, who have thought about what they're feeding their dog, just like most of us, just like me, when, you know, I had my dog several years before I thought about what I was feeding him. And I think that's a really common experience for vegans. You know, we just kind of put dogs in this blanket statement of they need meat. So I have to bring this bag of dog food into my home. That's a vegan home every single month. And then this light goes on and you think, Oh wait, maybe I can switch them to a meatless food. Is that a possibility? And that's, the majority of our customers, I would say, if they hadn't already thought about it, that's just a, probably a common, it is a common thought process that they go to. So most of our customers are vegan. And then we do have a large and growing portion of our customers who have really itchy, sensitive dogs because our formula has proven to be really good for that since it's a really clean plant-based formula. Right, right. Fantastic. And what proportion of your sales come from directly from the website, so direct-to-consumer versus retailers? Sure. So we are first and foremost an e-commerce company, which is part of what I find so incredible about what Dave set up so many years ago. He set up V-Dog as an e-commerce dog food business back, you know, 2005 when it wasn't. It, it was a thing. E-commerce was something that was happening and growing, but it was nowhere near where it is now. So, we really kind of were ahead of the game in a way where we're this dog food brand that's just flowing online and and selling direct to customers with some wholesale, and and that's always an expanding area. We sell on Amazon and Chewy as well, mm-hmm. um, which is a growing sector for us. But I would say from our website, direct to customer is definitely our most popular outlet. Got it, got it. So, and then, so when you say you're shipping directly to customers, so do you like stock the the products from the warehouse, or you take the sales and then you put the order through, and then they're shipped from one of your distribution partners? Is that how it works? Um, we have two warehouses. So we have a warehouse in California and a warehouse over in Atlanta, in the Atlanta area in Georgia. Oh. And we take all the orders every day, and we fulfill them next day with directly with our warehouses. So we keep everything pretty much in-house. Got it. So are the warehouses in-house then, or are they third-party manufacturers that also make up? Um, yeah, they're third-party manufacturers, but the way they work with the brands is that everything is labeled with V-Dog and fulfilled as V-Dog. 
Got it, got it. And do you have to get like, do you, uh, I guess, because you know, when you're not making something yourself, you've got to trust someone else to make the formulation. So do you do checks Mm -hmm. and things like that to sort of make sure that the product quality is being maintained? Oh, oh, so you, I thought you meant the shipping and um, packing department. That is what I referred to. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And what about the, um, yeah, no, I get that. Yeah. So as, and what about the manufacturing of it then? Like, do you make the products yourself or do you again use a, a partner manufacturer and then go and oversee to make sure that the quality is okay? Oh yeah, absolutely. So we have partners and all of our partners we work with, we have stringent quality control checks. So for example, for our kibble before every single lot is released for sale in the bags. Um, We do a 48-hour quality control with third-party laboratory testing. So we do that for all of our products, as well as um, our Kibble is AFCO compliant, which is this big organization that's been around since 1905, I believe, that manages the levels of nutrients in the Kibble. So we take all of that, those things very seriously. Um, And we launched our our Wiggle Biscuit, which is our first human-grade USDA organic product um, we just launched a new flavor of it. So that's also very exciting because our consumers are very educated, our, our customers, and you know they want the top quality products. So we're working on a new product now, and um, we're just hoping to keep moving forward with, with our high quality ingredients, with all of those checks and balances always in place. Nice, nice. How do you decide when to bring out a new product or a new flavor? So we're in a really lucky interesting space where vegan dog food is so new and so so um people are looking for it in a way that they just want a solid product for their dog so what we do is we make sure to come out with these excellent products that are just kind of um that hit all of the right components so we have one formula for our kibble and we don't have any other flavors or or variants aside from the size we have a little mini bites kibble so what we like to do is just keep our our products that's very lean and come out with products we know people want and what they're asking for you know a good way to do that is surveys once you have a customer base you can just ask people what they want and we did that years ago when we launched our first wiggle biscuit that's how we determined um, how to make it peanut butter flavor and then since then we just came out with our blueberry flavor which is a nice option for either dogs who don't like peanut butter or um, a lot of houses have peanut allergies. So we just kind of keep a a number of factors in mind. Great. It's great that to be able to have that direct relationship with consumers nowadays that we perhaps didn't have back before social media and and, and e-commerce, which is great. Now we're seeing the clean meat sector coming up and, uh, you know, many vegans, I mean, I've seen the sort of debates online and, and many of them say, well, even if they oppose it for human consumption, they're okay with it for companion animals. And I suppose this is probably more applicable to cats who are sort of natural carnivores, but I'm just curious, what impact do you anticipate this having on your business as a vegan dog company dog food company yeah um you're right that it's it's very polarizing if you think vegan dogs are polarizing I think the clean meat movement <laughs> is even more so it's true. personally I tend to support things that will save more animals and lead to a vegan future so um I would say most of us feel really positive if not all of us feel really positive at V-Dog about the clean meat movement for pets. We think that it's a slightly different demographic than our current one, possibly. You know, we're super plant-powered, plants first. Um, That's kind of our whole um, 
statement and what we go for. So it's a little bit of a different sector, we think, but all in the same, we, we think it's a really important movement. Got it. Yeah. Now, what about while we're talking on that, what about, quote, competition? So obviously there are now more uh, vegan pet and dog food um, products coming onto the market. So we're seeing uh, some VC, venture capitalist-backed companies. Um, they're doing kind of cultured, like vegan um, dog food cultured products that are, are not clean meat, but that are plant-based, but in a, a different way. So um, how would you say that V-Dog stands out from other companies in this space? Sure. So we're very familiar with the other companies popping up, and what this what this makes me think of is is um, Miyoko Shinner, the wonderful woman who started Miyoko's Cashew Cheese, and what she once said is how vegan businesses in the same space are collaborators, not competitors, and we really feel that statement applies to us, especially in the vegan pet food space, whether it's um, you know a, a product like ours or a product like Wild Earth Clean Meat. We feel that in order to move towards a vegan world, there need to be multiple players in the game. And especially when we have slightly different audience demographics, um, it's good. There needs to be multiple players in order for us to move towards more of a vegan um, pet food space and more of a vegan world. Mm, yeah, I love that. I had a chapter or a section in my book about that, the whole kind of concept of because we're on, on a mission, like you say, um, it is good to see other people in a space um, as collaborators. And also, I think it was Seth Tibbet who said to me, it's like, you know, when it, it helps the category to grow as well, when there are more players in it. So um, I, I love that you've said that. So in terms of the word, I guess, vegan in, in your marketing materials on your website, you know, the company's called V-Dog. I, I think you, you don't really shy away from the, the word. Um, so just tell me a little bit about your choice of using the word vegan, say, versus plant-based in your marketing collateral and branding. Yeah, absolutely. So we are big fans of using the word vegan. Our main hashtag is hashtag vegan dog because I think it's a lot of it has to do with it just being the clearest way to explain it. Um, that being said, we do use plant-based. We do use plant-powered a lot. It's a little bit um, more of a, a kind of middle ground way to say things since veganism sometimes is can be a hard-hitting word for some people who aren't familiar with the movement. But we're, we're all proud vegans here, and we see it as a positive, loving, compassionate movement. And if you can use the word in your business and harness it in the way that you want it to be, and you want it to depict happy, healthy dogs, smiling dogs, dogs who love their food, dogs who are happy. And of course, this can apply to any other product. You, you know, use it in the way that you see how it represents what you believe in in your business. And we really see it as a, a kind, positive, compassionate movement. And that's what we're trying to harness with the word. Great. Yeah, I love that. Because there's no, no right or wrong answer to that. You know, I've got different businesses use the word in different ways or some choose not to use it. And I think there's, there's no right or wrong way. It all depends on the business. So thank you for explaining how you, uh, you use it. Now, in terms of marketing, so when Dave started the company up back in 2004, 2005, um, there wasn't, social media was still kind of in its infancy. In fact, I don't think it had really kind of uh, hit big time at all. So wondering if you can sort of talk us through some of the marketing strategies that you use that are, that are successful in, in getting the brand out there and generating leads and sales and perhaps if they've changed over the years sure thing yeah so our marketing has definitely changed over the years especially in the past few years when we've really 
honed in on our analytics. And in that way, what you can do is you just see what's working essentially, right? You bring on the right people and they're experts because it's this whole incredibly large category, the whole Google Analytics uh, web of tools is just incredible and, and super useful. So um, I would say that we definitely focus on social media and in a way that is just so fun and exciting because it's super organic and our Instagram page has grown so organically just by posting stuff that we believe in, posting stuff that we love. And I think that, that what that comes back to is in any marketing campaigns and strategies that you use is the authenticity component is so important. And I'm so grateful to, to be proud that that's something that is really in the forefront for VDog. We are authentic to our core. You know, we're a vegan business run by vegans. We're dog parents. We, we see the dogs as proof every single day and we interact with each other and we inspire each other. And it's this really unique space to be in. But as far as marketing, that authenticity component is really important. And um, Instagram has been, been really huge for us and Facebook as well. Yeah, yeah, no, I think you're, you're absolutely right. And I think that can be sometimes the danger of outsourcing something like social media is, you know, if you do do it, you've got to really kind of make sure that whoever you're using kind of gets you and gets the voice of the brand so that it, it does come across as, as genuine for sure. Now, I noticed that you, you've got on your, facility, on your website a, a live chat facility and we're seeing this is quite a kind of new way of, uh, I guess, of marketing or interacting with, with audiences. And, and that kind of has the potential to be a little bit impersonal personal. Um, so I'm curious about um, how long you've had the live chat, what prompted you to implement it and how successful is it? it, is it? Um, yeah, just curious to get a little bit of a feel for that. Sure. So we implemented a live chat about probably almost two years ago now. And it's been so wonderful. And for us, I think that it, it can get impersonal if you outsource it. But the tool that we use is um, we use Zendesk, I believe, a tool from oh, them. And yeah, you're, yeah. yeah, you're able to just keep it in-house and have someone on the team have it active and respond to questions. So that's what we do um, in order to just, we wouldn't outsource something like that. It's just our questions are so unique and specific and yeah. we wouldn't want our customers <laughs> to feel like <laughs> they were just talking to a robot. But um, but yeah, it's been so great for us. It's really We really like the ability to, to as closely as possibly, as closely as possible, connect with all of our customers. And that's a super quick way. They see the chat there and they say, hey, I have a quick question. And we get it all resolved in a matter of minutes, if not seconds. So it's been really great. So I'm assuming it, because you have people monitoring it in-house, it's not a 24-7 live chat. So you, is it open between certain hours and people, you can just kind of say, okay, we're available now and that you'll reply instantly. And then you can have a message saying, we're not here yet, but we'll get back to you via email or something. Yeah, exactly. You can turn it on and off, make it available. And when it's unavailable, they can send an email. So there's still a way that's kind of popping up right there for them to reach out. And yeah, we opted for that instead of kind of a 24 hour thing, since we just kind of tracked when customers usually have the questions. And it's usually when we're there at the office anyway. So it's been working out really well. Great, great. Now, what are the sort of costs involved in something like that? Um. It's really reasonable. It's like a monthly fee for the tool that we use through Zendesk. So it's it's nothing astronomical by any means. We we definitely keep all of the tools that we use really lean. We're not a business that's interested in kind of 
trying out any sort of lavish tools. We keep things very simple and, uh, you know, close to home base. So it's not, it's not anything it's not expensive. Like I don't know the number off the top of my head. Yeah, it's not like no, seven hundred dollars no, a month. Right, right. Okay. No, I want to say it's like less than a hundred, maybe around fifty dollars if I had to guess. But I'm sure it'll pop right up if if you type in Zendesk too. Sure. No, that's great. No, that's good. No, because I'm kind of curious because you're sort of seeing these more now. Um, and I use as a consumer, mm-hmm. I use them. I was on live chatting to a I'm going away um shortly and I was live chatting to um uh, to someone about booking this day tour and it, it was quite handy doing like when there's somebody there because it's so instant you know because if you send an email you've kind of got to wait so I like to have that mm-hmm. but but I think it, you're right it has to be someone who really kind of understands the the brand particularly for something as technical and as unique as yours so no that's good to know that that's uh, <clears throat> being used successfully um, that's fantastic now I also noticed on your website another smart thing you do or an interesting thing you do is um, you've currently got a, a giveaway at the time of the interview anyway by the time the interview goes out you might not still be running I don't know but I noticed at the moment you've got a giveaway for a chance for a customer to win a year's worth of kibble um so I'm curious that that's quite a good prize to get you know to, for you to be literally giving that away so I'm, I'm curious what are the benefits against the costs of this type of strategy absolutely so our giveaway just ended last week and we're announcing the winner this week so that was our our big <laughs> vegan dog month finale. So every July we do a big vegan dog month campaign where we just put lots of information out there and the giveaway is announced throughout the month. And the one you're speaking about is the finale giveaway where we give away a year's worth of kibble to one lucky dog. So the way that we decided to do that is we tried it out once and it got a lot of attention. Granted, it's a big prize, right? So why we're able to do this is like I was mentioning earlier, you know, we do keep things very lean. So when we have opportunities to do a big splash, somewhat high cost option like this, that it's it's totally doable and it completely works within any of our marketing budget. So, um, and and I think the biggest thing is the reaction to everyone kind of tagging their friends and sharing the giveaway. It really gets the word out and gets um, buzz going and just gets people talking about this food and about vegan dogs. And that's what we want. We want knowledge to expand because that's what the main point of vegan dog month is to just share this knowledge. And then we have this giveaway as kind of this side note to increase the sharing. So the more people that know that vegan dogs are healthy, happy dogs that are thriving into their late teens, into their twenties, sometimes um, the more people that know this information, the more people that are, that have the facts, the better. And that's what our goal was with this giveaway. So just make it a really extravagant, awesome giveaway in order for more people to share it and more people to learn about kind of what we're doing and about all these amazing dog customers that we have. And I'm assuming with a giveaway, people have to opt in. So they have to give you their email address to opt in to be part of the giveaway. And that, of course, builds your list who you can then market to down the track. Is that right? That's right. So we have a landing page where people can enter simply by putting in their email address and name and then they're entered and they go they flow into this uh, the vegan dog month list that we have and then additionally um, we use MailChimp and we're really happy with MailChimp and they have new landing pages that we sometimes use Um, so we had a vegan dog month landing page this year that consolidated 
any kind of information you would need on this type of plant-based diet for dogs. So that was the informational component, the, the kind of frequently asked questions landing page, as well as the giveaway landing page that collects the emails. Yeah, great. So you have the one kind of big giveaway once a year, which you mentioned is Vegan Dog Month in July. And then do you do kind of smaller versions throughout the year? Uh, like, do you find sort of giveaway or do you just do the one kind of big one throughout the year and sort of promote that in the months coming up to it? Yeah, what we do mostly as far as giveaways is that we partner with other vegan brands and do fun little mini giveaways every single month throughout the year on our Instagram. So we often give away a lot of products from the outside to keep people interested and to keep it uh, varying with just like really cool vegan products. And we're really grateful to have a, a large following so that we can help, especially small vegan businesses grow if they have a really great product that, you know, we love, we say, let's collaborate and do a giveaway. And then our followers really love to win. You know, we recently did a Nelly's organic candy bar giveaway and they're just so delicious. And obviously those are, you know, who doesn't want to win free candy? So it's really exciting. And <laughs> so the humans get something, as, not just the dogs. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's a priority for us too. But then as far as our own product, we really do do this one major giveaway. And then throughout the year, we'll have various, uh, kind of sales like on our treats and, and all, all other sorts of smaller things like that. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So with the winner, so when someone who wins and they get this 12 months, like do they um, like do they have do you have something in place where they have to kind of give you updates or they have to send a photo of themselves with the product? Do you know what I mean? So that you can or you know, mm -hmm. or, or that they get to spread the word, or do you find that they kind of do you just give them their prize and hope they'll just kind of naturally be excited and will share it with their networks? You know, we don't, we try not to put any sort of rules on it in a way of once you win, you have to do this. We really want it to be just an exciting celebration and they can enjoy it with their dogs. And more often than not, people love to take photos and share photos of their dogs. Yeah. So we're really happy to just organically be in that space. So when we, we're sending the winner email out this week, we'll be saying, you know, we'd love to see a photo and we'd love to share it. So we really encourage it, but we don't make any sort of sharing or documentation we, we have other sorts of ways to figuring out, um, you know, how much food the dog needs and what the dog looks like. And um, we ask like the dog's weight and stuff like that, just so we can make sure to uh, send the appropriate amount of food. But right. other than that, we, we, we try to keep it pretty, pretty open-ended and just allow them to enjoy their prize. And how do you decide who wins? Is it kind of literally pick a drawing out of a hat? How does that work? Yeah, so we use a online winner picker tool, which is just like the most nerve wracking thing. Because <laughs> I don't know any of the names and then just this one name pops up and it's just like, oh, this person's going to be so happy. And that makes us so thrilled that we can offer this prize to this one lucky person. And what we do is we send out the winner, we send them an email and we say, okay, you have three days to get back to us. And we've never had an issue with someone not getting back to us. Oh, right. okay. So and then people get really excited. <laughs> now I was just curious because yeah. I know with like, you know, if you win the lottery or, you know, if people win a car, they've got all these kind of conditions in place that, you know, you've got to pose with a check and all this kind of thing. Uh, so <laughs> I, I like, because I was just thinking, yeah. oh, what if somebody wins like your, your prize and they're really a Luddite when it comes to technology, you know, and they have no idea how to go on <laughs> social media. You'd be like, oh, damn. But it sounds like I, I still, I like the way that you just kind of trust in that, you know, the right person will, uh, will get the product. So, 
and, and hopefully share. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's lovely. No, I think that's great. That's really helpful advice, actually, on things like this, both the, the live chat and the giveaway. I think that's been um, really helpful. So um, well, let's, let's wrap it up now with just um, telling us a little bit about, I know you said you're doing the international stuff at the moment. So what's the long-term vision, both for yourself as being a part of the, the company and also the, the brand? Sure. So our long-term goal is to definitely continue to grow. We are growing every single month and we're so grateful to be expanding in this space, especially as you know new companies come up and veganism is surging in the United States and beyond. We're really at this point where people are really, really thinking about what they're feeding their dogs and we're so lucky to be in this space. So our long-term goal is to just continue to grow, make V-Dog available um, across the world and Personally, I'm excited to continue to grow with the company and remain as, um, you know, one of the the leaders in the business that directs the strategy in a way that most aligns with our mission. Wonderful. Perfect. That's wonderful. Thank you very much for coming on the show and joining me, Lindsay. You've shared some really good uh, information there. I think that would be really useful and applicable to to other vegan business owners. And I love the collaboration. And uh, I'm sure there may be some vegan businesses listening who would maybe like to team up with you for one of your giveaways. So uh, I hope that happens. Um, It's been a real pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Katrina. So that was Lindsay Rubin from V-Dog. You can find out more at v-dog.com. And that link is on the show notes page at veganbusinessmedia.com forward slash podcasts and going to episode 109. Now for our vegan business news roundup. The state of Missouri in the US passed legislation last week, that September 2018, if you're listening in the future, banning the use of meat terminology to describe any food products that haven't come from a slaughtered animal. It means that vegan brands could face imprisonment or a fine of up to $1,000 if they use words like sausage or hot dog on their packaging or describe their products as plant-based meat. The new law was supported by the Missouri Cattlemen's Association, which earlier this year cited consumer confusion as justification for the restrictive labelling. I covered the story in my recent Forbes column, and yes, I pointed out the irony and hypocrisy of the animal agriculture industry calling for transparency in food labelling. Fortunately, the Good Food Institute, the ACLU of Missouri, the Animal Legal Defense Fund and plant-based meat company Tofurky have filed a lawsuit challenging the ban on the grounds that it unfairly disadvantages vegan meat producers. So we're seeing this happen quite a bit, both in the US and internationally. On the one hand, it shows that animal ag is feeling threatened, so we're obviously making an impact, which is brilliant. But it also means that we need to be aware of what this means for vegan food entrepreneurs. And I will keep you updated on the lawsuit as it progresses. BP petrol stations in New Zealand have launched a range of vegan chicken pies. The petrol company made the announcement on Facebook stating, Wish we had a vegan pie? Wish granted. It called the new product, which is available now in store for $3.90 at all BP wild bean cafes nationwide, the sensational satay vegan pie. 
The vegan chicken for the pie is made from yellow pea protein by Sunfed Meats, a local plant-based company. It's great to see this happening in New Zealand, which is a heavy meat-based culture. Change is happening slowly and surely. And again, this offers vegan entrepreneurs additional collaboration opportunities outside regular retailers. And I hope these developments give you the inspiration and motivation to reach out to multinational corporations, even those who traditionally haven't shown any interest in vegan living, to see if there's potential for partnerships. Finally, UK supermarket chain Iceland has joined its rivals Tesco, Sainsbury's and Waitrose in launching a range of vegan products, reports plant-based news. The new line includes vegan sausages, chicken, burgers and the UK's first supermarket chorizo, as well as a spicy jalapeno variation of the store's Noble Vegan Burger, which has been outselling its animal-based Wagyu beef, plus paella made with vegan chicken and a number of tofu-based dishes. The products are available in a dedicated vegan cabinet throughout stores. Iceland's head chef, Neil Nugent, said, We had tremendous success with the No Bull Burger, and it's clear our customers want more from us. In creating this range, we've embraced the nation's love for alternative plant-based foods in an innovative and exciting way. The growth of the vegan food market in the UK has been rapid, with 56% of adults now saying that they're adopting vegan behaviour when conducting their supermarket shop. So this is fantastic news. It offers opportunities for vegan brands in this space to collaborate with large-scale retailers and get their products out to the masses. And on a personal note, I'm loving seeing these developments in my original home country. So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate it if you gave it a review and rating on iTunes or any other platform you're listening on. Finally, I encourage you to head over to veganbusinessmedia.com where you can find more free resources as well as details of how we can work together to help you grow your vegan business. I'm Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. And I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode of Vegan Business Talk. Bye for now.